0: We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets.
1: But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the
0: Everyday Driver Car Debate. Happy Friday. We are actually headed into the end of Season 4. Crazy Lemon's enough. Madness. And for those of you that are not watching it on cable, which is now the Motor Trend Channel, formerly Velocity, I have to feel like I have to keep saying that. <laughs> those of you not watching it on cable, it is coming to Amazon in just a few weeks. So uh, we will have all seven episodes available on Amazon Prime. Of course, the first three seasons are already available on Amazon Prime. So uh, that's exciting. Actually, we have somebody coming up later. We have two card debates. We have Jay coming up in Canada. And we also have uh, Mike coming up after the break. And Mike found this podcast because he found the show for the first time ever ever via Amazon Prime. That's yeah, starting to happen, cool. which is really cool. When we started the podcast, you and I were surprised because we started to have situations where we found people that is like, how do you know the show? And they found the podcast first before the videos, and that was a surprise to us mm-hmm. when the podcast right, first right. started. Now it's happening with TV. It's been happening the last couple couple of years with cable, and now it's happening with Prime. Yeah, right, right. I, honestly, I, cool. don't, I don't care Very how cool. you got here. Welcome.
1: Exactly. Welcome. We're all
0: friends here. We all have the disease, the car disease, so we have to talk about everything cars. To that end... We're going to have to talk Tesla.
1: We do need to talk Tesla. We've got some other things to cover here, which I want to get to. As Todd said, we've got the Lemons race episode. As you know, in season two, Mm -hmm. we drove the Lemons cars and we went Lemons racing. And then this is a bit of a follow-up to that. Kind of a different uh, episode. So we're actually interested in your feedback. We're Mm -hmm. interested in all your feedback, of course. Always, always. But uh, yeah, particularly for the Lemons episode. So that airs on this Saturday, March 16th, 2019. And then that will push, the entire season four will push to Amazon Prime video. And Vimeo yep, for, for the worldwide consumption. We realize the Amazon is just for U.S. and U.K. at this mm-hmm, point. So Vimeo yeah. is your place if you're listening outside both those countries. And uh, yeah, we're we're looking forward to that. And by the way, our sponsors for season four are Covercraft and Grio's Garage. Yes. Thanks to Covercraft for being the title headline sponsor. And you can now find on the website the sponsors page. So if mm-hmm. you forget the code every day yes. for both those sponsors, which gives you 10% off mm-hmm. all your orders at checkout. Use that promo code every day. Just go to the website, Everyday Driver, and totally. you can find the sponsors page there. It's under
0: the About pet tab there. Of course, that's where the Contact tab is as well for all of those of you that want to write into us. That's from the Contact tab, and we appreciate you using that. Also, you'll find the Sponsors tab there if you forgot. Who are the sponsors again? Or what is that name, Griot? How is that spelled? Somebody asked Mm -hmm. that question this week. You can find it with direct links to their website and, again, all the mention of their codes. You can get these good products for cheaper, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, exactly. All right, we've got to talk a little bit about the Tesla Model Y announcement. Yes, there
0: is a there is another yet another Tesla reveal happening and and we debated we debated honestly, do we cover it because mm-hmm. everyone's going to or do we just say hey it happened. <laughs> we are going to do a short, I'm stressing the short. We're going to do a short <laughs> debrief after watching the piece, after watching the reveal on the Model Y. And we know what's coming. It's the Model 3 sized SUV.
1: Yes, it's the inflated Model 3, right? Mm-hmm. We stayed up late to actually watch the Model Y unveiling, and there wasn't a lot of information. There was some, and I, I'm kind of mixed on the the presentation itself. But it's it's more about the car. I want to stick to the car in general and talk about what we learned. You're, and, you're, you're and and mixed go from there.
0: on the presentation. I, you're mixed I, on the presentation. I, I, <laughs> I don't think there's anything to be mixed about. <laughs> Look, wait, wait, wait. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I, sh- I should stop. I should stop because there are folks in the audience that are going to. Th- Think what I'm about to say is Tesla specific, and it isn't. When I watched this piece, I was reminded of the fact that you and I, in general, we don't watch these kind of presentations. When there's an auto show and they're going to do the big rollout of the new whatever Hyundai or Ford or Mercedes, I don't care who it is, we go to the other side of the auto show. And the reason, only reason we're covering the Tesla ones is honestly because you guys will ask us about them in a way that that you won't for other car. folks doing a reveal. So we, we watch Mm -hmm. them as a result. Yeah. I have the same problems and I want to be very clear. I have the same problems here that I do with anybody doing one of these marketing presentations. And it's, it's twofold. First off, it's this big, let us tell you how awesome we are session until you finally get to the new car.
1: And you're right. It's any car company, every single one.
0: And then the second part of it is the second part of it is that whoever is doing the presentation, Let's be honest, their background is they're an engineer, they're an accountant. whoever they are that became CEO, they're they're not a public speaker. (laughs) And so invariably, 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 whoever gives these presentations really struggles with it. I have seen some of them. You can see from the audience, they are visibly sweating in terror as they they read off the prompter. Well, yes. And the
1: prompter, they're designed so you will not fail. They will not let you fail when they mm -hmm. release a CEO, release an executive on stage. They refuse to let you fail. So all you have to do is look down and you're good.
0: So, so that, that's this is a problem with any one of these presentations, and all of these issues are here, are here in this presentation. The, the th- two things I want to say that are specific to this presentation are, look, Elon Musk ha- has this amazing reputation, but he's not a good public speaker. Agreed. I, I'm, agreed. I'm, I'm seeing I'm that. I'm struck yeah. by that. I'm struck yeah. by that anew every time. Look, nobody's saying that the CEO of any other car company is a public speaker, but no, no other uh, CEO of other car company is looked at as a rock star. He's looked at as a rock star, and he's not. He's not a good public speaker. And the other thing I find <laughs> fascinating is that this presentation to me about all of the car movement there was. A lot that went into this. There was a lot of visual stuff. There was a lot of cars in motion. There was a ton of mm-hmm. stuff going on. It was yeah. very, it was very ambitious, but it felt like a rehearsal.
1: Sure, okay, I can see that. I can see that.
0: And I, and I'm shocked by the number of people. Yelling things from the audience in moments of silence, and let's be honest, they're silent cars, and we're going to wait for them. We're not going to say anything while they roll through, which is that's, a, a, that's a little an invitation awkward. for people. It's <laughs> an invitation for people to say something. So people are saying something and filling yeah. the silence, and then that's causing Elon Musk to start conversations with people that you can't
1: hear. Sure, sure, I understand that. Uh, you're you're I, touching I'm, on the reasons I was I'm shocked mixed. by this. You're, you're touching anyway, on these on, reasons, on. and it, you're right. It has to do with any presentation. It's difficult to convey. You know, all those kinds of things from people not used to – they're used to shareholder meetings and that kind of thing. And yeah. well, they'll be around forever, these kinds of presentations. I guess
0: uh, – <laughs> Can we make them stop, please? And I don't mean Tesla. I mean in general. It's just – I feel like everybody involved is having an awkward time. I really do.
1: Well, here's here's the, my mixed part, and that is what you touched on. There was a lot of lead up and let's look back. Let's look at the history When everybody's there to see the Model Y, and we were given Mm -hmm, very mm -hmm. brief looks at it and very brief stats and specs, yeah. And I want more about the car, I'm almost willing to wait longer for a car if it's farther along, especially in the electric Mm -hmm. car realm. Whereas, you know, if a BMW or General Motors or Ford or whoever comes out with a car, usually. Usually, it's going to be available in a showroom in that form, unless they're speaking about a particular concept car. So, usually, that okay, car, yeah. hey, that's coming yeah. at you in six months. It'll be in dealerships. You can buy this. Here it is. And we get a closer look at it. Where this felt very much still like a concept, even though I don't think mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. And, fair, uh, fair. I mean, we're getting a good look. If if you want to see the presentation, it's probably on YouTube at this point. And the lineup yeah, is yeah, it's out there fairly thin. He's claiming Elon's claiming 300 miles, great, and the top end performance model is going to be about 60 grand. Okay, yeah, yeah. And surprisingly, mm-hmm. it's going to be a seven seater, optional. But
0: that's the thing about <laughs> it. I was most surprised and impressed <laughs> Do you see it by sitting
1: next to the Model X, and it's yes. quite a bit smaller. I'm thinking that's, that's seven passengers for are well, your it's dogs the mo- passengers.
0: It's, <laughs> It's essentially built on the Model 3, and they showed they only they, they did show six people get out of it. They did. They only showed they only showed the uh, I'm sure there'll be tons more photos and stuff by the time you guys are looking at it and you're listening to this, but they only showed the digital mock up of where all the seats go, which is fine. But the, the big thing I was struck by is seeing that and then seeing the exterior. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure. I'm impressed. I'm genuinely impressed they went with set, went f- try and chase a seven seater, however. Forget legroom for a minute. There's going to be no headroom in those rear seats because there, yeah. there's a huge rake, and I, yeah, I would love to see somebody sitting in those seats. Now, let's be honest. Most seven-seaters are used by families and they put their little kids back there, but that's going to have a, a severe rake for those those rear seats. They're clearly going to be in every once in a while. But but having said that, on the other side, I'm quite impressed they went, okay, let's make this midsize CUV and we have to make it seven seats. And because they don't have you know the big gas tank or the motor to worry about it, they can move the packaging around. That is impressive. I just it is tall guy me. I'm horrified <laughs> <laughs> sure. by the yeah, the headroom. Yeah,
1: everything about this is impressive. To be honest, he's got the lineup of four cars now, and yeah, I, yeah, I'm impressed. Honestly, so all of that aside, I'm I'm looking at the car itself, and I think okay, sixty grand. You know that'll compete. People will buy them. Uh, I, I think the uh, the guild is off the Lily, if you don't mind my saying, because when the Model Three came out, everybody was queuing up to put down their deposit. Mm-hmm. There was no mention mm-hmm. of that this time. It was true, true. Just it's here, we're going to bring it out. And so I I want more visual interest from electric cars. And mm. this is going to be mm. very controversial to say, but it's almost boring. It's almost so good and so simple and so pared back that i think visual interest is going to be paramount i don't want just clean blank panels i want some visual interest interior and exterior it seems very sanitized from a design perspective even though it's meeting all the goals i mean you cannot yeah. you know say well you didn't make seven seats no you did there's seven seats there's a great interface yeah. that you know yeah. he's claiming it'll drive pretty well and corner well okay we'll we'll see but i'm, well, I'm but just minimal, thinking
0: minimalism has been their uh, thing though i mean they have has. they have put a stake in the ground and 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 there's we've talked about this in our model three bolt piece we have talked about it elsewhere tesla has done a good job for better or worse, of equating minimalism with luxury, they're putting an equal sign between the two. I don't think that's Although true. Although
1: we we have identified that as uh, not the case, it can well be. that's the thing. It certainly, it can, can
0: be. be. It can be, but because the other side of that equation is that minimalism and simplicity is easier to do. Which, but, but I think it's but harder in the, to do in the, personally. Well, no, I'm saying I'm saying easier to make. I'm not saying it's easier to design. I'm saying it's easier to make. If there's less going on, it's easier to put your panels together. That's what I'm saying.
1: I did enjoy his commentary about uh, ramping up factory and factory itself and designing the tools to make the product actually being harder than the product itself. And I I found that kind of amusing because, as we've identified, cars coming from the software realm, they now have their own tribal knowledge on how to build things. But they've sorted it out. They've sweated and worked it out from – Nothing. They they had nothing to go on. Whereas Ford has well over a hundred years of production, or GM, or you know what I mean. And well, I think it's interesting you bring that up
0: because I think it's interesting to bring that up because what I thought was fascinating is that was his teacher moment. He was like, "Let me tell you something behind the scenes." And mm-hmm. my my takeaway mm-hmm. is, I feel like Elon Musk was the last person to realize that manufacturing at scale was hard. I think everybody else <laughs> knew that. Yeah, he he, uh, yeah. he he mentioned that like he was instructing everybody. Let me let you in on some insider info. No, no, no. It, that's always been hard. <laughs> we, exactly. I, I mean, I, bravo yeah. to you guys for ramping it up, but that, that shouldn't have been a surprise. I think the
1: biggest <laughs> it's, takeaway. It's staggeringly difficult. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I think the biggest takeaway is anytime Elon releases a new model or talks about something uh-huh. new, it's mm-hmm. almost like the world. Well, the automotive world kind of stops and waits. What have you yeah. got for us? And it felt yeah. thin enough where he was so eager to make the introduction, but it's not quite all there yet. Maybe, maybe it is, but it just didn't seem that way. Because let's acknowledge the history and the other three models while focusing mm-hmm. more on the car itself. Show me the rear end of it. Show me more. You know, Put that thing on a turntable. Let's light it up. It was in a yeah. very dark cave, Essentially. I agree.
0: I agree. It was was very hard to see it. I I do agree with that. And and I'm sure by the time, you know, by this time tomorrow, there's going to be plenty of decent pictures and people Mm -hmm. will have been there and taken photos. And I get that. But from a presentation standpoint, this is your. This is the bride, if you will. You're going to bring everything out yeah. fir- first, and then bring the bride down the aisle. Everybody's <laughs> supposed to stand and look, right? You're supposed. She's supposed to be well lit. It's supposed to be. This is the big grandiose moment of proper lighting, and it just kind of felt like it's here. You can come see it later, and it, then and then the yeah. feed shuts off. Like, hey, thanks for watching. It's like, well, hang, well, hang on. Wait, wait. I wanted to see. I wanted mm-hmm. to see the reason I came, which is very interesting. But every time they do one of these presentations, and again, the Model Three was the last big one like this. I, I'm struck by something that makes me shake my head and shakes my head not because I, I'm I'm angry. I just I'm shaking my head going, I don't get this one big thing. Mm-hmm. It's their supercharger reveal. Yeah when they light up all the dots all over the globe. Sure. this is this is a place and I've I mentioned it the last time too. this is a place where Tesla is so staggeringly out front. Yeah, okay. absolutely no, they are. Nobody can touch them there. They have made electric gas stations the world over. Why is this company that is simultaneously struggling to survive? Look, I'm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. technological advances like crazy. They have influenced the industry. None of that can be taken away from them. But they are struggling for their very existence. Why aren't they using these, these superchargers for every electric car on the planet to have access if they pay? That seems to me you could flip a switch and you could be making money at every single supercharger station on the planet and somehow that's the one thing that hasn't been tried. And for a company
1: desperate for cash, I don't understand why. You, you, nobody else can touch them in that area. Absolutely, they, they're absolutely out front. I completely agree. In a lot of areas, which they've identified, and they're reminding everybody about that. But again, people are concerned about the card. I, I found it so funny that yeah. you know everybody's recording on their cell phones. And I'm thinking, what are you going to do with that video later? It's already going to be on Agreed. YouTube. Like what? Agreed. Why would you record this anyway?
0: You saw they've got the camera and the crane and the and the infrastructure. <laughs> they clearly are getting it recorded. It's not like thank God you were there with your phone. Uh, by the way, holding it in holding it in portrait mode. Yeah, I knew Just that. to make it worse, I
1: knew that. It drives me up a wall. <laughs> why? Why?
0: Thank, thank God you were there. Two rows back, holding your phone over your head—that—that—that mm-hmm. uh, oh, that, that has nothing to do with it being a Tesla presentation. It Everything to do with
1: how are we we as a, a community of humans this stupid? Anyway, yeah, it was fascinating. The world stops when the Model Y is revealed. Here it is, and I—I I mean, I, I think other manufacturers are going to continue along their own newly discovered electric car world. They're—they're going to continue doing this. The Y will now compete and Mm -hmm. people will buy it, and I think competition's very healthy. I I like that Tesla has really, I mean, all all puns intended, put the entire industry into another gear. I love that, and put everybody on notice, but it's just no other car company has the same kind of sway for the world as Tesla does when they make an introduction like this. If Volkswagen were to come yeah. out, people would be like, ah, "I'll read it about it in a magazine, or I'll mm-hmm. catch it on a Forbes article later, or something like that." Great, but this is—you know—wait for the reveal yeah. and w- the you, car. You and I are watching it because everybody's going to ask us. Could you put the spotlight on well, the yeah, car instead mm-hmm. of the audience? Because yeah. I want to see the car. But okay. yeah, I hear you. Completely hear you. Yeah. We have debates to get to, so we. <laughs> Jumping into Jay's debate, he's up in British Columbia in Canada, and uh, are, he writes to us. Are we really done with Tesla? Uh, <laughs> I guess we are. Okay.
0: All right. All right. Just, I'm just double checking. <laughs> All right. I, I know
1: I know. we could keep going. We, we could, and there will be future Tesla uh, uh, discussion, rants. Yes, there will be.
0: I'm sure there but will be. Yes,
1: yes, we'll get to that. So Jay is up in BC, and he writes to us as a sales executive, and he's on the, the road a lot. So mm-hmm. he's he's got the road warrior life. And wanting to get something, he's got something fun already, but he's looking actually something that does kind of the family thing, which is pretty cool, but it's got a... It's got to have the hint of driving fun. For sure, But it yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be an SUV you take to the track or anything like that.
0: No, no. And I don't – I mean, this is not a track car, but he's been driving a uh, Toyota RAV4, and he's he's found that it he, it's actually the RAV4 hi- hybrid. He thought it was going to be really great for gas mileage and good for freeway commuting and, you know, have enough space. And he's realized it's not quite what he hoped for in any category. hmm the mileage yeah. isn't amazing. The ride is fine, but not great. The the space is okay. So he's going, alright, if I'm going to have a car that is kind of my drive all the time car, I've got a couple of kids and so I need a usable car. He's thinking, maybe a wagon's for me or possibly a performance SUV. This is where this starts
1: and then we kind of go into madness. So get this, he's up in Kelowna in British Columbia and it sounds like he and his wife drive to the ski hill every weekend in the winter. They are involved in freestyle skiing and then his own driving takes him about 20 to 25,000 miles which is almost approaching 35,000 kilometers per year so a lot more than average and he's also got his wife's got a Toyota IM 2017 Toyota IM he says this is fine for the city but just not great for the highway sure sounds like you're on highways and even twisty roads a fair amount and so he's also got this 89 Mazda Miata major modifications done to this car to the engine (laughs) coilovers Bracing bushings, wheels, tires. That
0: is the... The dawn of the Mazda Miata, the 89. I mean, yeah. that's the beginning. They just started shipping them over here in A. Yeah.
1: yeah, no kidding. All right. So he's uh, shared a little bit of his ownership history, which includes an avalanche, a couple of Toyota Previas, mm-hmm. which actually reminded me of the 85 Toyota van. Remember that thing? Yeah. Everybody had the Toyota van. Yeah, you're right. So you're crazy. Right. And then the Previa came out, and they went off the deep end with weird names. But, you know, hey. But he's had two
0: Mazda 3s, a 2010 and an 07. He had the hatch and the sedan, which is interesting. We've got uh, Ford Ranger on here, Acura Integra,
1: a lot of stuff. Toyota Camry, Dodge Power
0: Wagon. We've had everything. Mm -hmm. The the Power Wagon was 1972, by the way. There's a lot of stuff on here, yeah.
1: All right, so he says, I'm a little older now, I'm a little wiser, and I really want to enjoy the vehicle, the car that he Mm -hmm. drives. Sure, yeah, yeah. He says, reliability and all-wheel drive, winter traction are imperative which tires. Yes, but, for sure. You know, probably being Canadian, you already know this is already yes. drilled into your head and he doesn't want to be left stranded with young children because he's in the winter yeah. in the mountains yeah. quite a bit. And he says, you know, he wants something pretty loaded, pretty comfortable. Mm-hmm. And to that end, the RAV4 is not doing it. He said, this is not yeah. really delivering. Yeah, yeah. And he was willing to compromise the driving experience for more efficiency, but That's kind of what the RAV4 represents at this point. He's willing to go kind of back the other direction, a little bit less efficient,
0: maybe? And I think that the RAV4, based on his commentary here, it hasn't been so unbelievably efficient on gas. He's like, I just have to keep this. It's done okay, sure. Justification but, it's, for but it's not just blowing it out in efficiency. So he's just like, okay, at this point, let's get something nicer to be in, still hopefully fun to drive, but it has to do all this serious winter duty as well. So, And, and these are people that go to the ski hill. Is this a car that has to go to the ski hill? Maybe. I mean, the Ra- before the RAV4, he had a, a Toyota 4Runner that he loved in the snow. He loved his avalanche mm-hmm. in the snow. So clearly they're going to go up to the ski hill a lot, and so that's going to be a factor. This is fun, actually. He's got a good list of things he's already driven or is considering. Uh, C300 wagon mercedes c300 wagon that's kind of a rare car these days yeah it is a lot of those yeah the uh, mazda cx5 turbo i think
1: that's a good option too by the way the budget is if we haven't mentioned that yet it's forty five thousand canadian up to 50 for me Mm -hmm. which is great yes and fortunately we don't have to worry too much about the exchange rate they're pretty on par right now they're fairly close yeah so we can kind of assume right in that ballpark u.s dollars as well uh but yeah continue
0: Well, he's had all these things that he's driven, and we're trying to find something fun. I mean, he gets into other things he hasn't driven yet. I mean, he's even driven the Lexus uh, RX. He's driven the Mercedes, the ML350 Bluetech. Again, that's where the efficiency works its way Mm -hmm. in again. Mm -hmm. But he says, hang on, what about the GLC 43, which is the the more coupe back, right? Yeah, yeah. What about the X5? He's not sure about the reliability. He's asked me about Cayennes. I want to come back to that. C43 wagon, that would be a lot of fun, too a uh, Range Rover Velar he says does this
1: have reliability can you see that
0: from here well here's my other question can you get a Velar for your budget
1: well maybe a year used, but I don't know. It'd probably be like a dealer test vehicle at this point because leases are generally two to three years, so I don't know if you can find one slightly used for that price. Maybe, but they weren't designed to be the autobiography range rover the top end. They actually started at high 40s, I think, in the U.S., 49, 50, somewhere around there. So if you can find something like that, the problem here is Neither Todd nor I have a whole lot of experience in ownership of Range Rover vehicles. <laughs> and the stories we've heard haven't been good. I have I to mean, say it. yeah. Back in 06, mm-hmm. everybody wanted the Discovery Sport. Yeah. Everybody had yeah. those. They made a ton of them. Mm. They turned out to be not so great in the reliability that's, that's category. That's being nice about it, yeah. And so at this point, I want to desperately recommend Range Rover because they are gorgeous. They're good-looking, yeah, no, they're especially gorgeous. I like the Velar a lot. And they're great inside, too. I'm just... I'm, it's it's difficult. It's even more difficult, I'll say, than recommending Alphas. Mm, interesting. Slightly more. Interesting. And again, that just comes down to lack of experience. You and I need to hop in one. I'm sure it'll be fine to drive, yeah. but...
0: No, I've driven I, some more recent models. I've driven some older models. They are always really cool to
1: drive. They're excellent to drive, and they're cool. They're well-styled. The interiors are gorgeous. Yeah. I'm just... I'm wondering, unless you buy new with that, that
0: safe warranty... Yeah, that's a big question. Protecting you. Could you buy a year old and still have a long enough warranty that Possibly. you can take the risk? But you're going to put a lot of mileage on it in a short period of time. Yeah. And our friend Craig actually pointed out to us a while back. He sent us a spreadsheet that showed, you know, that every year there's rankings of the reliability of all of the all of the marks out there, right. okay? And what's interesting is the, those reliability ra- rankings are done in like – uh how many problems in the first hundred days or first year or they do it different ways. But that's sure. Kind of thing. So and that's hardcore data you can rely totally, on. Totally. But Range Rover has hung out at the bottom of the list. Now what's interesting about the list is that all cars in general have gotten more reliable over the last, this is what he was, he was showing, sharing with us, all cars in general have gotten more reliable over the last roughly decade. So they've all moved up Mm-hmm. Range Rover stayed at the bottom of the list, so they're better than they used to be, <laughs> but they're still at the bottom. So, so it's a real, it's a real it's dice like roll. The best sure. initial
1: quality award from JD Power. Of course, it's got best initial quality. My water bottle has best initial quality. It's got initial
0: quality because you just bought it. It's new. It's initial quality. is
1: It's new. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> but honestly,
0: I, let me get more personal here for a second because he's asked specifically to me about the Cayenne. So, Jay, let me talk about the Cayenne. You've said, do I like it? Has it been reliable? Yes to both. Now, my wife and I have a 2010. It is the V6 base. Okay. Uh, the early now, now this is also if you think about Porsche nomenclature I'm sorry I got to go into Porsche for a second they have their initial <laughs> version of a model and then they have, that's the point one and then they have the point two mm-hmm. yes. and that is yes. the the refresh at the back of that uh, model generation so I actually have a first gen Cayenne but it is a point two and when they did the point two they actually stopped production for a year and solved a lot of things they, they right, made right. them o three to o six I would avoid those if you can. They are very cheap. They're very cheap for a reason. They have things like plastic water hoses and things that really can go very, very <laughs> awry. You can get all that fixed. Please don't get me wrong. There's, there, there Those of you out there with 200,000-mile, I've got an 04 Cayenne. I get it. Because you've, and, but then you list for me. You've sent it to me. You list for me all the things you've yeah. changed. Here's what's been replaced and But the and on, uh, yeah. We have a 2010, which is the end of that first-gen Cayenne, and it has been nothing but glorious to own it has just run it is not it's my wife's car it starts it runs it's the car that when my winter cars can't hack it the cayenne comes in Pretty cool, especially with the way that your driveway looks, totally. well, my, looked earlier today. My driveway, you, you, you joked on the last podcast you thought winter was ending, and I think Mother Nature heard you and decided she would, she would just put that slammed. to bed right now. Well, we did so, take advantage of it because we went skiing this morning. We did. You're right. So, so And by the way, sorry, Tangent, you posted that picture of the two of us skiing yeah. where we're both wearing face masks, we're both wearing <laughs> red jackets, and there's no way to tell us apart
1: except there is a way to tell there us is, apart. There is, actually. You're wearing a watch. I know. I I looked at that. I thought, all right, that's the dead giveaway right there. (laughs) You're wearing a watch.
0: Nobody looking at the photo is going to be like, oh, Todd's the guy with the watch. No, that's not happening. (laughs) So that solves that. Anyway, earlier today, actually, my driveway uh, overnight got as bad as it's been, honestly, the entire season. I can't believe this. And while the Lancer is great with its all-wheel drive, it doesn't have great clearance. Yeah, The first-gen Cayennes had full, like, after the second gen, they they kind of toned down the off road capabilities. The first gens have got some serious off road capability. I backed my wife's Cayenne uh, out, put it in low range, and for, there's not a better description for it. It swam down the drive, <laughs> just spinning and throwing just, snow and all that kind of stuff. Just swam down that's, the drive, that's and, so and, but cool. it never it never stopped. It just we're swimming crazy it felt almost felt like water skiing in a car it was craziness cuz we i mean that's it was that's awesome scrubbing snow along the body i was swimming sure, but sure. it just does it so i would highly recommend it i have had there's a um a center knuckle in the driveshaft that's known to go bad about a hundred and five hundred and ten thousand miles. Right, ours went at hundred and six, right on time. So that's the only <laughs> right on kind of unexpected thing. Otherwise, it's just service. I think you would really like a used Cayenne, but I have other recommendations for you too.
1: Look, Jason, I'm looking at uh, the Porsche Macan. I that maybe that's kind of where I started my headspace. But I thought, all right, you guys are going to have gear, and I can't just recommend go get the Thule rack or the Space Age you know the looking roof rack thing i can't tell you to just do that and buy a smaller car even though i want you to have something fairly nimble
0: mm-hmm.
1: i like the cayenne idea a lot i that's do it's good. good i want you to explore that more and i'm glad that you've been investigating and driving them the q5 of course has got to be as the uh you know the sister car to the macan that's that's a consideration mm-hmm. at a lower price i would say and they're great. I think the Macan will ultimately be a more fun car, but okay. the Audi Q5 is actually pretty yeah. surprising and awesome, frankly. So let's put the, well, not the Germans, but those those aside for now. I looked at the Acura MDX, and if you're going to okay. look at an MDX, I want you to go 2017 or newer with the technology package as fully loaded as you can mm, get okay, okay. for your money, for your budget, because okay. that's the styling change. Yeah. The 2017s and newer yeah, yeah, yeah. have the better-looking diamond grill and all that kind of stuff, which I yeah. like better. So I've been finding them right in the sweet spot really? for that budget. Oh, good. Okay. So all you right. can shop in that range successfully, and okay. if you start at 2017, that's a couple of years old now, mm-hmm. you can easily find one. They had you know 20 to 30 thousand miles, excellent. And for you you know, you're not going off-road necessarily. You just need the all-wheel drive capability. Yeah. You need a car that can swim too. Yeah, and and
0: you need some space as well. That's certainly a category. Which it has. Yeah.
1: Which led me to something that I drove actually on track. Okay. Surprising the heck out of me. And the BMW rep said, No, no, go, go, get out there on track. Mm. See what mm. you think. It was the 2019 BMW X Drive X3.
0: Interesting. Okay. Now, this, right.
1: it, I drove the 2018. It was a year ago. Mm-hmm. But the 2019s can be had for 45K US. Hmm. And that's 2019. So brand new. I'm just saying, and it was really surprising on track.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: And I like that. But that brought me to my last choice for you to go investigate. And by the way, all this is considered driving homework for you. Completely, yeah. In Phoenix, I found for 50K US... 2019 Volvo XC60. And you had mentioned power. Mm-hmm. Not only is the interior great, lots of jewelry and comfortable and excellent, the ergonomics are fantastic, and then just the IP and the interaction. Totally. Yeah. Hopefully, you guys have seen our XC40 uh, up against the Jaguar ePace. Yep, so, I really like four. the ergonomics and the interface Completely. that Volvo is yeah, doing. Yeah imagine that at an even grander scale in the Xc60 yeah I can see it and now you've got a car with 316 horsepower turbocharged and supercharged yeah for 50k and I think okay. it's a unique choice again these are we're not looking for the thing that is going to be the most fun to drive if, if you fair, were I'd fair. push you towards the BMW okay but maybe right. that's not for you and if you haven't considered Volvo I'm I'm putting it out there. You can I'm, find them for that price. I'm glad you
0: brought it up because, you know, I, I drove an S90 in, in L.A. recently. I was very impressed. That's right. That's right. And, and the X, XC40 we drove, honestly, I think it's out of your budget here. But, Jay, the S90 wagon oh. is very, very cool. It's <laughs> very cool. It's not the most dynamic car on the planet, but it is. the room will astound you. Can you get
1: them for 50K, though? I don't think
0: so. Yeah. Maybe they've been out long enough now. Maybe. Mm. I kind of doubt it. I mean, we're talking about roughly 40 grand US, rough 50K Canadian is what we're talking about. I don't think they're down there yet. They will mm, be. Sure. But I actually saw one the other day. After driving the S90, I saw the S90 wagon, and I was, which I guess is actually probably the V90. Gorgeous. And, and the sweet. S90 has a shocking amount of space. It is a huge car. And then you add the wagon backpack Holy. on that. Enormous. Uh, Jay, here's my big question. You're going to do a lot of miles, but you want all-wheel drive, and you want fun to drive. Mm -hmm, A RAV4 is not enormous. No. So I want to make some recommendations that I think are still not a ton of space, but you might get more fun out of it.
1: I mean that's the balance, right? That, that B- is the balance. Between all the stuff exactly. for the kids and the freestyle skiing. Yeah, all how, the gear. how are
0: you carrying your skis? I'm assuming on that raft four you've got a rack. Sure. I'm he does. assuming you're okay to, you know, put stuff outside the car. So at that point plus you mentioned that you're five seven. Your family you're not huge, tall trees like we are. So right. your family has got more availability for space, too, which is good. Yeah. So I want to recommend... I'm kind of leaning toward hatches for you, except in the hatched environment. Really? So you can get more fun and still have decent gas mileage, but yet it is usable. So I'm going to get there in a second, but before I get there, I have to mention a couple others that I think you should go drive, that I think are in your budget. Okay. All right. I want you to drive the Audi A7. Interesting. Interesting genuinely direction. Fun, genuinely fun. It's That car, you can just pile miles on it. I mean, come on, made for the Autobahn. Fun to drive. I mean, it's not the most dynamic car, but it's honestly, I would say this. It is more fun to drive than that S90 Volvo. And the s 9 Volvo's got good power and is nice to drive. True. But the A7 adds a layer of uh, sporting intentions. Let's put it that way. Sure, sure. So the Audi A7, look for those. You can find them in your budget. Now, they don't have a ton of hatch space. They don't have a ton of uh, rear uh, headroom. But I don't think either of those are issues for you and your family.
1: Hmm. So A7, Mm -hmm.
0: while I'm there, though, I have to say it. I know you're going to drive Cayennes. You recommended the Macan. Jay, please drive a Panamera.
1: Interesting. I wondered if you'd add
0: the that. Panamera but for 50K, 4S. can you get Oh, they've been out 50- long enough now? Yes, definitely. I mean, I'd want you to get yeah, as
1: new as you possibly can.
0: That'll be the big question. Because the problem with your with your budget versus the Panamera is going to be, where is the convergence between how new can you get it and how high an engine can you get? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, ideally, I want you, you – Panamera 4, obviously. But you could maybe do 4S and how far back do you want to go? I mean, you can find – I don't recommend this, by the way. You can find first year, which is like 2010 turbos out there for this kind of money, but they're sure. going to cost you money to run. Yeah. So be careful. Yeah. But but that's why I wonder about just what a, what's a 4S out there? You'll hmm. find a 4S from my guess is 2012, 2013. Maybe it's a little older than you want to go. That's my question. I'm not sure how far you want to go back, but you can find one of those. That, that you should at least drive. You've asked a question in here about uh, wagons versus SUVs. Look, man, I... I love having a car in the winter. Uh, SUVs are great. now, But I just talked about ground clearance with my wife's Cayenne.
1: The Lancer doesn't have the clearance to get down the drive, and so the Cayenne goes swimming. Sure, but that's just the driveway. For most roads, he's going to be fine. Totally. But he's talking about the question about the salt spray and the, the cars in front of you yeah. kicking up a bunch of junk. Should you be in a car? Should you be in an SUV? That's personal preference right now. Yeah. I'd rather be lower to the ground, personally. I'd rather have the uh, dynamics
0: of the car yeah. over the SUV yeah. myself. But where are you, Jay? Which is one of the questions. Which leads me to two. That blur the line in mm. this, we get you out of the low slung thing, but still get you a hatch. I think you might be perfect for either the GLA AMG 45, but I wonder if it's got enough space. Tough so, call on that one. Yeah. Great great to drive. Yeah. So that brings me to a car that may be perfect, and that's the Golf R. You think? That's pretty small. But it's got more rear hatch space than the AMG. It does, but it's not got four, that much more. It's got four good seats. You put a you put a ski rack on that thing, and you take it anywhere. And when you have a back road on a nice day, you're very, very happy. I mean, if I you, you'd you really have, have to wondered, put a box on that. You would, for sure. But so what? True, the, true. Because here's the thing. The RAV4 is not cavernous. Uh, I mean, it's more than a Golf R, certainly. Yes, it's more than a Golf R, but not by much. I don't have the specs in front of me, but it, you're not going to make a huge sacrifice there. I think the GLA, you'd be like, huh. I need a little more space. The Golf R does a really good job on packaging, but the GLA is, as we said before, it's kind of just a lifted gentleman's hot hatch anyway. Right, So I think you should drive both of those. I think a hot hatch could be the perfect thing for you where you have enough space if you shop the right Mm. ones. You have enough space, but you get all the fun you want. So I think you may be
1: Mr. Golf R. Wow. All right, fantastic. Jay, thanks for writing. If you've got your own debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com or on the website, hopefully that is ground into your brain by now, I say it so much. But no, we're serious, really. Write to us with your own debate. If you're thinking about it, if you know you're a month, two, three months out, definitely drop us a line, love to hear it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back.
0: We're often asked how we find the cars we recommend because we do a lot of research for the show. Local or nationwide, our searches start with our friends at Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car site separately, you can enter your parameters into Autotempest
1: one time and search them all at once. You can see results from Cars.com, Cars Direct, eBay, and more, or you can jump to Autotrader and CarGurus without entering anything new. You can even search all of Craigslist nationwide. You know how hard it is to search Craigslist all at once? You can with Autotempest.
0: Autotempest can help you find your next new or used car if there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the entire country. Plus, the folks at AutoTempest actually do listen to this very podcast right along with you, and they're always looking for ways to refine the site to make it better. They already have research tools, buyer and seller guides, and are
1: listening to what features users want. So if we give you drive homework, or you're chasing your dream car, or you're just looking to feed the disease, AutoTempest.com is the place to start. Heck, I was honored an hour ago. Our sponsor, Wrangler,
0: has given a slightly different copy for our ad, so we realize there's only one way to handle this. We have to bring back The Voice. Everybody has a favorite pair of jeans. The pair that fits perfectly and always looks great. The pair you wear out at night. At home, on the couch, at work, wherever. They're the go-to, and you can't underestimate their importance. No one knows this better than Wrangler, the authority on jeans. Using their expertise in comfort and durability, Wrangler jeans are made for the adventurers, the go-getters, the folks who like to keep moving, whether you ride a bike, a bronc, a skateboard, or even drive a car. You could be a person that just wanders the earth looking for we're not sure what. These are still the jeans for you. Classic or modern styles, a range of fits, even vintage re-releases, with a price that works for you. Wrangler has something for everybody. Visit Wrangler.com and check out their great selection of jeans, shirts, pants, outerwear for men and for women. New styles, great fits. Wrangler,
1: real, comfortable jeans. That was proper. Yeah. Mike S. needs enthusiast advice, I think from everybody listening, because he's written to us, we're not sure where from, but he's been toying with the idea of building his own electric car. He refers to it as an electric toy, but he's saying, I'd love to strip out an older BMW or a Porsche convertible, a quick toy with instant power he can just enjoy. Mm-hmm. So the big question is, revolving around electric cars, what car would we like to see turned electric? So an electric project car, mm-hmm. take your pick. What should you do? First of all, my questions to you, Mike, are are you going trolling for the street racing cruise like that guy on YouTube with the stripped out Model 100, Model S 100, and uh, he just stripped out the interior so he's even lighter and he goes trolling for street cruise and takes everybody? I mean, you could anyway, but are you going drag racing? Are you going track driving? Is this just wafting along? Are you just comfortably in your electric car doing Mm -hmm. something? I think that will inform your decision making. I kind of get the idea it's for just driving.
0: Yeah. Just, Just to say fun. he did it,
1: and it's fun, and it works, which is, which is cool, I will admit. All right, so that brings the something lightweight and handly to start with, right? Yeah. yeah. So the balance is you need something that is cheap enough to go buy Agreed. as your starting point, Agreed. but still enough space for batteries, for range. Mm-hmm. It's got to be easy to work on, but also cheap enough. If it burns to the ground, you're not going to cry for too long. Ideally, right? Yes, it's true, yeah. And then this brings me to the question about styling, and you you might think it's not important, but here's the point. Cars that don't have a grill, cars that don't have a grill that have, you know, mm. a, a radiator cooling an engine are more suited towards being an electric car, sure. I think. Because electric cars from here on out will never have grills. They don't need them. Yeah. So what cars don't have grills? Well, air-cooled Volkswagens. True. You know, the Volkswagen thing, mm-hmm. the Porsche 911s and yes. 914s. 912s. 912s are excellent. The 912s are the ones you can actually get somewhat cheap. <laughs> yeah. What about the 1961 and later Volkswagen 1500 notchback or the 65 and later 1600 fastback? Cheap, not complicated. There's yeah, barely yeah. any electrics in it. You can strip it out, strengthen the chassis where needed for the batteries, for the added weight. I'm wondering if something along those lines Mm -hmm. could be what you start with. The issue here, and it's not an issue at all, but there's a company doing this called Zelectric. Zelectric Motors in Southern California. They're doing this already. They're actually retrofitting Beetles and a Volkswagen Mm. Thang and 914s Mm. and a Volkswagen bus from the 60s. The problem with them is... They're excellent, but they're expensive. Of course, yeah. The Beetle alone is sixty-eight grand. If you want a bus, it's one hundred and thirty. Wow! They're wow! Wow! Awesome. What I kind watched of range the video. Are they getting out of it. The Beetle is about eighty to a hundred. Okay. And the smaller cars are like sixty. So sure. okay, that's sure, sure. that's in the toy category.
0: In the toy category, you're right. That's the key thing. That's one of my big questions here from Mike. Is I think there's two primary problems you're going to have to deal with that are that supersede what car, and that is how are you going to deal with the weight distribution?
1: Mm -hmm. Because with batteries,
0: you're going to have to have a serious problem about how do I deal with getting enough battery power and where is all of that weight sitting for dynamics? Exactly. Yeah. So weight distribution is going to be a big issue. The other question is how much range do you need for this toy? You don't need 300 miles because you're going to drive it to cars and coffee and then around, I guess a little bit and come home. So is 60 enough? Maybe it is. It's a good question. I can think of two cars, that in both cases, I think if you replaced that engine, nobody would cry. Right. And if you looked at the car and somebody told you that was electric, you'd think, that's really cool.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: One is the Volkswagen Carmen Ghia. Awesome. Yeah. And the other is the DeLorean.
1: Oh, great. An electric DeLorean <laughs> just works, doesn't it? It works, but you can't well, I guess you could. You could go far and make a movie car, but I'd say don't. No, no. I just, think you just, just make, make it, it, it
0: super clean. Cool and clean. Yeah. And, and because the, the Achilles heel of that car, I mean it, it has its issues, obviously, but the Achilles heel of that car was always the engine. Yeah. And it was never a car that was astounding for its handling. Because the concern I have for you making an electric version of a car is you're going to probably undermine the handling because of weight. Right. Atl- so yeah. since, the, since the DeLorean was never a car that you buy for its great handling, and you buy it because it's cool to look at, get into, be seen in. That's why you like it. But mm-hmm. you want the engine to work, which it didn't always always do. And you want it to have a little bit of power when you put your foot in it, which the engine never did. Yeah. So what if that were electric? Now it's got power. The engine just starts because it's just an electric motor and it runs. You have all the benefits of the look of the DeLorean, none of the downsides of the engine, and it was never a Canyon Carver to begin with.
1: That's pretty cool. I like that a lot. I mean, it depends on can you find a DeLorean for an inexpensive yeah. enough yeah. price, do it, you know, make it electric, and mm-hmm. that'd be pretty interesting. I, I'm just, yeah, I like the idea, and to your point, car manufacturers, when they try to retrofit an existing car to join the electric party, it's never successful enough because the dynamics change dramatically. They do. They, they have to completely change so many things about it, you might as well build one from the ground up, which is why I think mm. the most, more successful electric cars, and this is, the, this is the direction every car manufacturer is going. Mercedes is bringing the EQC out, brand mm. new architecture. Yeah, you know, you have to architect yeah. around the motors and, and the batteries themselves. I had toyed with the idea of, of an original mini. I, oh, sure. I toyed around sure, with I this idea and I toyed with the idea of a factory five, eight, one eight, because they are kind of designed for you to work on them yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the toy category for sure, and you yeah. wouldn't have to track it. An 818 with... You'd
0: still have to get your donor car WRX. An 818 yeah. WRX, but you do... The motor is now electric. You're yeah. right. It is It is a build-your-own-car anyway. I could see I that. I mean, that's yeah.
1: lightweight enough that you can distribute the batteries in a way that it'll mm-hmm. probably be okay. And, gosh, that'd be fun. That's cool. I like Cool-looking. Okay. All right, I have something to leave you with as we, uh, we move to questions here, Mike. I am... Um, Interested in the challenge for later. Once you do your first build. Okay, great. The cars that were already silent, Rolls Royces and Bentleys, Mm. they were already known to be silent. That's very good. How about some? I, I looked up a 1991 Bentley Eight. They made a bunch sure, of them. Sure, sure, sure. They're really heavy. Yeah. But an, an electric motor, plenty of space for batteries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it'll overcome the weight of that
0: car. The torque will. Another one of those cars that you didn't buy it for the handling. You yeah. You want it for the for the cruise, and now you gave it
1: speed. Yeah. It'll just That's waft cool. along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like like find an old Bentley, something like that. Your 60 miles okay. of range is now 20, but it's okay because <laughs> exactly. it's still fun. Who cares? I, I, my Bentley's awesome. I can I can't take it to dinner because I can't get. Get that far, but but then let's, uh, <laughs> let's go somewhere closer to home. It's gonna be great. Yeah. I'll leave you with this, and maybe you're you're probably already researching this. Look at what Bollinger Motors is doing with their SUVs and pickup mm-hmm. trucks. They're really interesting. They're building from the ground up. I mean, they're so boxy that cardboard boxes actually look aerodynamic in comparison to what yeah. they're doing, but that's part of the charm. <laughs> that's part of the intrigue with them. And what's cool about their pickup truck or their next generation is what is usually the front grille mm-hmm. opens up. And you can slide down the center tunnel because the motors are below the chassis and mm. the batteries are flat. You can slide long two by fours, long ladders all the way through the oh, car. Interesting. Okay. All the way. It could be sticking out it's up like a front. Magic trick.
0: That's very funny.
1: Which means you can carry long stuff, uh, all kinds of you know, gutters yeah. or whatever it is, far longer than any pickup truck could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's actually that's brilliant. Hysterical. So they're thinking of all these cool things. Huh. And they're, they're built in Michigan and kind of interesting. So Bollinger Motors. Check those out, and uh, yeah, thanks for the question. I'm sure there will be many people writing. Hey, what about this car? What about I'm Pontiac sure. Fieros oh, or yeah, something like sure. that? Yeah, definitely. Thank you, thank you, Mike, for writing
0: in, and also thank you to Jay for your good car debate. Uh, let's let's go to questions. Can we do that? I now? think
1: we've got enough, guys. Thank you we've so much. We've got quite a few.
0: I've, I want to start with two, but I'm going to marry them together. They're both from Adam Fox. He's asking tire questions. Oh, okay, good. So he starts with saying he's thinking about uh, buying his first set of summer tires. So I want to come back to that question because his first his other question is, he's starting to feel like the weather's actually changing. Good for you, Adam. We're not seeing that yet. No, but but, but his <laughs> well, lo- the lows yeah. are in the mid- mid-20s and the highs where he is are in the mid-sixties. Is it time to change to summer tires yet? Hmm. He's about to purchase his first set, but is it time or should he wait a bit? He's got hmm. a he's got a BRC. Always, always a good question. This is an excellent question. This was the time frame when I would actually change out the tires on my FRS when it was 20s in the morning, but by mid-morning it's over freezing, it's over 40. I would say I would say this to you. When I used to drive my FRS and it was high 20s right around freezing and I put the Michelin Pilot sport, Supersports back on, I was driving on hockey pucks. You could tell it. Yikes. It felt like hockey pucks in the back. It was very careful stepping until it warmed up to about 40 and then it was fine. So look and see how much of your day – is operating above 40 degrees. When the vast majority of the day is above 40, I think it's time to change. The other thing to think about if is, depending upon your summer tires, the Michelin uh, PS4s, by the way, say on them, do not drive below 40 degrees, because these tires will crack. So you don't mm-hmm. want to change it quite yet. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that leads me to your second question, which is, you're thinking about summer tires, you've never bought any, you're looking at the PS4s, which let's be honest, if you have the money, you just get the PS4s what about a cheaper alternative? How do I like my uh, Firestone Firehawk Indy 500s? Which I kind of got talked into for the Lotus. What Mm -hmm. do I think of them on the Lotus? Mm -hmm. Two things here, Adam. First off, honestly, if you haven't had performance tires in your BRZ yet, any performance tire is probably going to feel revolutionary on that car. I would submit to you, probably just spend the money and get the Michelins. If you aren't going to do that, I think that the Indy 500s are a very good alternative. I have thoroughly enjoyed them. I've had them on track and I've had them on road, and I really like them on the Lotus. The Lotus is not a heavy car. They have a softer sidewall than the Michelin's. So there's a little more squish. So if, you, if your car, if you're running the 17s with the high sidewall, you might have more squish in those Indy 500s than you would like, whereas the PS4 would wipe that away. That's my only cautionary mm. tale to you. The Lotus doesn't have big
1: sidewalls and also isn't heavy at all, so it doesn't really matter. Christopher on Facebook asks an interesting question that I have personal experience with. Is it better for your tires to drive over train tracks and potholes Ooh. slowly Ooh. or fastly? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tell this story. Yeah. I uh the, the personal experience here comes in the form of my Audi Avant wagon that I had uh early in the show's career. Yes. I think you can still find the video on that, crazy enough.
0: It was one of the first cars that was certified Paul owned where you it was an yeah. four and you drove it up to a press event in twenty ten and they asked you why you were leaving in a press car, and you went,
1: um, this is my car. Yeah. <laughs> I kept it nice. I really liked that car. It was great. And uh, I had gone, I was living in L.A. at the time, had gone to dinner way down in Palos Verdes in Los Angeles near all the docks and the the ports down there, the L.A. port, and was coming back with my dad in the front seat and a friend in the back. So there's some weight in the car. And the, that area of train tracks, the asphalt has been melted and ground down by all the trucks, the heavy mm-hmm. trucks down mm-hmm. in that area. So the rails were actually sticking proud above the surface. And I was going 60 on this street yeah. and I thought, oh, this will just bounce right over it. Nope. It actually popped the tires so hard on the right side of the car, front and back. It damaged the wheels. Mm. Mm. It was horrible. The noise was horrible. But we, because we kind of got bouncing along the road and the car kind of, lifted off of its suspension a little bit over some whoop-de-doos and then came down hard right there with sort of extra weight right on those rails i mean the sound was horrifying the car just instantly pulled to the right and it was expensive and the ride (laughs) home was not fun so it depends on there's definitely places where train tracks have the built up you know they've got the diamond plate tread and they're built up to be very smooth and they're on some roads where cars are just Bouncing right over them, no problem. Sure, sure. They're a lot smoother. Those are fine, but my personal experience tells me slow. And potholes, the same way, or just avoid them to begin with. I look for potholes like crazy. Yeah. If they're, you know, if you're at speed and you can't do anything, well, don't jerk the wheel. Don't become unsafe, but I'm always about slow moving over train tracks. Just, I don't know what's there. I just want to kind of creep and take it easy. No reason to, you know, break anything because it's happened. It's not a lot of fun. Hopefully you've got... You know, A to come get you. Yeah, be careful for sure. Rally
0: Sport Chris is calling me out. He said, "Would someone please send Todd to rally school so he can understand <laughs> why a this. sports car is perfect for going fast on dirt roads?" Chris, first off, your your name is Rally Sport Chris, so I understand the bias here. But let me also say this: I'm not saying anything against a rally car from a car. I think that's fantastic. If you are spending your time on a back road, yes, please have a rally prepped sports car. That's not what's happening. The general zeitgeist that is, let's rally rally everything, is I'm going to rally a sports car and drive it on my commute. This is what sure. I'm raging against. Sure. Yeah, I, I understand I, it. Look, if I if I was going, if I was a guy, and I'm not that this, this guy, but if I was a guy doing off-roading a lot, I would seriously consider having a rallied sports car. I'd rally a Miata. I'd do it in a heartbeat. I'd rally an FRS or whatever. That would be very fun, because I would rather be in that car on the back roads than the big, huge SUV. I would totally prefer that. Sure, sure. But I'm not doing that all the time. <laughs> and by the way, neither are these people rallying their sports cars. They're rallying their sports cars to drive in a commute. And the argument is, and yes, Matt Ferris is in this argument as well, it's because my commute has potholes. This is the problem that I have. If you were, sure, if you were really I, doing it because I live somewhere where – t- Lee Keen, who does these 911s, lives near some of these back roads. Sure. If you were putting it on a back road all the time and you were throwing it around in the dirt, yes, have one of those – But I don't think that's why everybody's excited about these rally cars. I think they're excited about having them on normal streets, and now it's a waste and get a sports car.
1: I mean, I I don't mind it
0: personally. I I kind of I know you and I are you and I are split on this.
1: I mean, I love it on the on the off road. I love it there. I driving around just because of the look and just because you're I, just I know. different. You and-, and I
0: totally disagree here, but I'm just – if you're okay, driving yeah. on paved roads, have a sports car that's a sports car. Rally Sport, Chris, if we're doing back roads, yes, let's have a rallied sports car. <laughs> I don't want the
1: truck. I'll take the rallied sports car. Let's do that. <laughs> uh, the endless debate. People drive Raptors to work on freeways. You'd Same category. Think they'd, Same yeah, category. Anyway. All right. Ryan Hughes on Facebook asking, what would the automotive world look like with a premium or luxury brand from Mazda? Oh. He believes the rest of the world would either implode or would barely survive such an amazing feat only to spend the next two decades catching its collective breath. He's saying put Lexus, Cadillac, Audi, every other manufacturer on notice. Mm-hmm. They already did. They did it in the early 90s, and it was a misspelling of the word Miata. They, spelled, they rearranged letters to spell Amati, and they tried it mm. to no success. They came out with a W12. Well, they didn't introduce it. Nothing was ever built. The manifestation in the U.S. was the Mazda Millennia, I and that's that as far as they went yeah. with their luxury brand. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind them trying again, to be honest, Ryan. The Millennia was a pretty cool car. It was in cool. In its own right. Based on what they have shown, the large sedan, I forget the name of the concept that was at LA Auto Show a year ago. It was a large car. It was absolutely gorgeous, beautiful, minimalistic, but just still Mazda at the top of their game. Mm-hmm. This is where they're at. I, I feel like Mazda now is like Honda circa 1992, mm-hmm. 1994, somewhere in I'm there. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Just when they were at the top of their game. Killing yeah. killing yeah, it yeah, right yeah. now. And I want Mazda to proliferate in other forms than more CX-30s and CX-3s and CX-5s. And I think they know how to build those. Yeah, clearly, yeah. But a business case has to be built. Is there one in the marketplace? Mm -hmm. Should they actually introduce a large electric sedan or should they come out with the Mazda better looking pickup truck or something? You know, what what is the business case? Where do they want to take the business is the question. They've already tried it. I don't know that the market was right, but people are so much searching and wanting to buy luxury goods nowadays, yeah. they'll live in an apartment and drive a $90,000 S-Class. Welcome to a lot of Los Angeles right there. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So is it the right time? That's up to them to determine. I'd love for them to try it again. Please don't rearrange letters in some car name and do it again. Come up with a new <laughs> brand. But Hyundai is proving the model can work because of yes. Genesis. Yes, they are. You're right. You're and right. Genesis is pretty well perceived in the marketplace, even though not everybody knows what it is yet. But I would say if they tried this, not under the Mazda brand, so they don't make the Mazda Phaeton. (laughs) The Mazda. I'd buy that too. The Mazda Phaeton. I like it. I'd say they they could, but they do their own special style, their own Mm, twist. mm. But the big stuff they've come out with recently has been shockingly beautiful. Yeah, I see it. Gorgeous. Sexy. Bring it. Make it all electric. Make it have a 400 mile range. And. Why would you want a Tesla Model S anymore? Because you get this luxury thing for 150 grand, Pfft. Yeah.
0: I'd be very curious if they could survive that. That's an interesting
1: idea. Unknown. All right. They've All tried right. it, toe in the pool, but it was a W12 engine architecture, and then they never brought anything out, and they just thought, okay, we'll just go as far as the millennia. Wheelman GT has an interesting question about our feature films. Sounds like he
0: hasn't seen any of them. He's asking if our feature films are just a bunch of car reviews packed into a larger format, or is there something else going on? It depends on the film. First off, our pilgrimage film is a total documentary of the road trip, and the road tour has a very different feel our mid of mountains is very much a we go we go in amazing sports cars in search of great mountain roads yes there's reviews tied into that but it's much more about it's a buddy film it's much more about the two of us Mm -hmm. going off into the mountains to try to find really great driving roads and finding them Mm -hmm. so that's a road trip uh, film as well
1: we went looking for pasta
0: Yes, yes, draped on, yeah, spaghetti on an Alp. Exactly right, yeah. except we didn't didn't go to the Alps. So that's how that worked. Uh, however, our other three years are probably the ones you're talking about. 50 Years of 911, which is obviously about the Porsche 911 and not about September the 11th. Uh, I've had that question. That's why I have to clarify. <laughs> Icon, which is about the BMW M3, and American Original, which is about all the Corvettes. Those, uh, now to answer your question, are yes and no. Yes, it is a string of us reviewing every car in the lineup. But no, it's much more than that because what we do that we don't normally do is we intertwine the history, what's going on behind the scenes, how each of the generations relates to each other, and what's going on kind of in market forces and in history in general at the time different generations are coming out, Mm -hmm. recessions, uh, turmoil – other cars appearing in the market. All of this gets discussed as well. So it's much broader than just here's how this car feels because they're all intertwined and you get the history of it. So that's how they play
1: out differently than a typical review. Interesting. Question over here from Chris Lawless. Do you get the expensive dream car first Hmm. or do you have fun sampling all the fun cars you never got to? Hmm. If there's a car on your list that is the expensive dream car, you've always wanted it, you've saved towards it, you know you want it, there's no question you've driven one and you want one, Get that car, <laughs> because otherwise it's it's the equivalent of carob or mocklet or anything okay, sure. but the sure, real sure. thing. Yeah, all right. It's it's ice milk instead of ice cream. It's just I see. I see. Not where you're going. satisfying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It's not the real thing. But we encourage you to get that dream car and then put it up against what else has intrigued you. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. There's plenty of stuff that intrigued Todd and I. Yeah, we yeah. love the Lotus. We love the Cayman. There's other stuff that intrigues the daylights out of Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And we aspire Absolutely. to. Mm-hmm. And so allow yourself to get that car. Enjoy it. Maybe you add cars. Maybe you never get rid of it and mm. you just add mm. stuff. But allow yourself. Give yourself permission to go do other stuff. Once you have that and you have that experience for a little while, mm. give yourself permission. Say, you know what? I've had it. That's I've loved
0: excellent. it. I, I think you're right. I think if he doesn't get it, then it's the I'm still waiting but yes. at the same time, yes. though, don't don't put on such. This is where I think you're going as well. Don't put it on such a pedestal that you a are precious with it and don't drive it. Right. Or b c- conclude that this is the be all end all and this is the only car I'm ever supposed
1: to love this much. And you may love it and be like, and oh, now now I can move on, and, and that's fine too. You know, Chris, if you're loving that car and you have it, and your head turns, and you go, what, "What's that over there? You know, you're you're done,
0: <laughs> and that's okay, <laughs> and it's that's totally all okay. good. Uh, here we go. SCLA, SCLA Fan 86 asks us about skiing. I thought I'd touch on this real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You and I happen to both have Soul 7 skis. Now, by the way, we did not set out to buy the same ski. But <laughs> it just so happened a couple of seasons back. This is a Rosignol ski. A couple of yes. seasons back, we were both in the market for skis. And we both – Independently, we're hearing how good the Soul Sevens were, and mm-hmm. that year on the mountain at Deer Valley, I swear to you, every person we saw was on Soul Sevens. Yeah, yeah. So we're like, okay, what are we missing? So we demoed on totally different days. We both demoed Soul Sevens, and we actually are, are kind of different skiers in style. We both were very impressed, so we both bought Soul Sevens. It, it was a very organic. Both of us <laughs> hearing it individually and winding up like, oh, you bought those two. Okay. So we have to be careful because they actually also happen to be the same length. We did not plan this, I swear to you. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. but the question is, do we have multiple sets of skis? Do we use the Soul 7 in all conditions? For those of you that are interested in skiing, the Soul 7 is actually designed to be kind of a powder ski and not as good on the groomers. Mm -hmm. Now, I have another set of skis that I honestly never even pull out anymore that are really good for groomed runs. I like the Soul 7s so much, I use them all the time. I love them in the trees. I'm a powder skier. I love skiing powder in the trees. It's one of my very favorite things of all time. On a groomed run, a powder ski is a little softer than you want. It's Mm -hmm. almost like talking tires. Look Mm -hmm. at me. But at the same time, I don't care. The Soul 7s are so reliable, and I enjoy them
1: so much, I ski them all the time. Yeah, Hayden Maggard, this relates to your skiing question about the kinds of trails we prefer Do we like groomers, glades, big steep bump trails? I I would describe your style as a super G kind of style. Mm. I mean, you have a lot of speed. Mm. And, I mean, you're, you're sometimes doing big arcs, but then you like the tree stuff too. Yeah. And I guess I would I would say I like more technique-based kind of stuff. De- that's a good description, yep. And I, I work the edges of the trails of the groomed runs because that's where all the snow has flown off. And yeah. either the, the corduroy is still there unskied mm-hmm. or everybody has pushed a bunch of nice powder over on the edges. Yeah. And then I do like some bumps. I am actually like the technicality of yeah, it and just you are, you are more, working more it back thing. and yeah. forth. But then... You know, I just like you know high speed runs too. So I I like a really good mix, Mm -hmm. and it just kind of you know get some bump runs in, and then just go relax and you know nice cruising on a blue. But you know every so often we got to jump onto a black and you know point the tips down and and go for it. I I really love that. Well, I'm the guy that says to Paul, "Hey, let's
0: go do the trees." He's like, "Oh, okay, sure," because I love that. But yeah, I know you do. It's very cool. I know you do. Uh, Let's see. John Durr says, uh, "This is off of Twitter." Would you rather be in an unfamiliar car? On a familiar track or a familiar car on an unfamiliar track? Oh, yeah. Now, I'm going to answer this question both ways. I'm not trying to cheat here. I'm, I'm genuinely <laughs> genuinely trying to answer the question. Uh, a track that I really want to work the track, I want to know the track better, I want a familiar car. Fair enough. Uh, Fair I'll enough. Give, the ring is a great example. I, for the ring, I try to pick cars I already know because the ring is – is this actually relates to our last pilgrimage trip. Mm. On the ring, I was thrilled to be in the M2 and the M235i. Are there other cars that would have been faster, better? Yes, but I loved being in those cars on the ring because I know those cars and how they work dynamically. I know those cars speak to me, and I want to understand the ring better. And as familiar as it is, it's very unfamiliar. Conversely, on Spa, I was perfectly happy to spend the day wrestling with the Alpha 4C. Because you knew the track. Because I knew the track. Yeah. And so that's that would be the difference. What am I trying to work on? And that would be how I would decide. I think it's so funny. You like to arm wrestle that car. I, I do. Just, I was done with it on I track. Know. I know. You were like, and I'm finished. Somebody actually asked what we don't like about it. It's honestly because the dynamics are unreliable. They are not at the at the limits, it's great at eight tenths. Yeah. At yeah. the limits, it doesn't do the same thing twice. However, mm-hmm. this car's a splinter in my brain. I've been looking up. There's Just supposedly some suspension fixes to make it have the
1: handling it should, and I that I it's probably bad that I discovered that. Anyway, yeah. I know. All right, Ben Davis on Twitter asking me about the expedition. Yes, it's the winter car. It's the everything car because it's the huge camera car too. It's a rolling living room. It is it's huge. It's amazing. When you put the third row up and the seats are uh-huh. you know, fully up there's still like four feet of car what you normally think think about the back think about the back of a
0: Yukon yeah okay or a big minivan with the second row only up that's the kind of space you have in your car with the third row up
1: (laughs) she's big (laughs) now he's saying this is not something we would consider enthusiast loving you're absolutely right yeah true but I love it for the living room feel and yeah. the cruise road yeah. trip kind of feel. And I love that it is the hauler. That is actually the license plate I got yes. for it. It's Very it's funny. hauler, and it's yes, it's the tow thing. But to be honest, it's sentimental for me. It, it was yeah. my family's. It was my dad's, and we had so many good memories in that car. And you know what? We're doing more shooting the show and and using this as the camera car and the road yeah, trip yeah. car too. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it just does so much. But then. Yeah, Cayman or whatever else
0: is in the future. It's monstrous, but that space is sometimes <laughs> awesome. Let's see. I've got one last one from J.R. Schultz on Instagram. It says he typically heaps a car for three to four years. Mm. Buying a certified used Mercedes or BMW. Do we think it's going to be reliable for up to seventy-five thousand miles? My short answer here, J.R., is yes. Because mm-hmm. yeah. think about this: BMW has a all-purpose, everything included. Warranty for brand-new cars to 50,000 miles, which means they've done the numbers and know that nothing significant is going to need to be replaced in the first 50,000. You're going 25,000 beyond that. Most of those certified pre-owned programs, I think, tap out around 100,000 miles, which Mm -hmm. means they also have done the math on that. So I think you going to 75 is probably going to be fine.
1: All right, we've got a question. We need to relate ski brands to car brands, which uh, I think that could be a topic Tuesday. It really could be. There was another watch question for me as well, and uh, I, I will spare everybody because I could talk the watches and match them up. A watch per car brand? That's, that's a whole other podcast. You got both watch and your skis in the photo today, and you weren't even trying. <laughs> You're right. I did. Yeah, uh-huh. All the toys crammed in. All right. I love it. Guys, thank you so much for listening and following along. And we really appreciate you sharing the podcast as well. And a reminder to rate and review the show on IMDb, because that affects our Amazon ratings as it does. well. It does. So go there. Repre- uh, represent. That's fine. Represent, <laughs> too. Hey, we love you representing for everyday You can get the vinyls now <laughs> yeah, in the store. That's true. Thank you. You can represent. I, I love misspoke, that. I misspoke, but I didn't. <laughs> So, yes, rate and review. The the vinyls are on the store. Check back. The products are going to be continue. The merchandise is going to be continually rolling out and changing out. So that's great. And, uh, guys, thank you so much. We're definitely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.